<laughs> so, welcome. <sighs> welcome to Deconversion Therapy, the <laughs> podcast. That's Karen laughing. And that's Bonnie not laughing. Um, we started this podcast, gosh, this is episode 22-ish. That's and, crazy. I know. And we have been laughing all our lives about everything appropriate and non-appropriate and at the wrong times and occasionally the right times. And it's gotten us through a lot of... Um, Horseshit. I guess. But it's also, we just would laugh for the hell of it when we were bored. So it's gotten well, us through a lot too. of stuff, <laughs> you know. And this. Good like, times, bad times, boring yeah, times. That's it. My breakup with Brad Pitt, it got <gasps> us through. Um, lots of hard, hard things that I've gone through. You know what we do? We live, love, laugh. <laughs> <laughs> laugh. That's right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, okay, so. Talking. Go ahead. Yep. So that's what. I was going to say deconversion therapy is for anyone who just wants to laugh at things, especially anything that touches religion. So although we grew up evangelical Christians, um, we both don't prescribe that. That's right. Anymore. But Christians listen to this and so do Catholics. <laughs> ah, it's my ongoing joke since we were told Catholics weren't Christians. Oh. Um but you know what? The thing is, like, there's there's so much funny stuff to be mined from organized religion. Of any of the religions. Right. I know. Yeah. And we especially like to go after the charlatans, which brings me to last week. We did um, a battle royale between Jim <laughs> Baker and Pat Robertson. That made it sound more important. Right. And um, I was... We were laughing at Jim Baker sending those, uh, selling the end of times (laughs) buckets, which I showed my husband. He was like, what are these? And we looked up all the fun buckets of goop. And um, anyway, we were mocking that. And then now California has had two huge earthquakes. So maybe the joke is on... (laughs) the person laughing at the buckets mm-hmm. but um i haven't heard what he's said but i'm sure his sales just went oh, up oh no i know it's like ooh, get that cheesy broccoli casserole that lasts eight years in the bucket irma or there's he a mexican right. dehydrated stuff bucket it's disgusting it would be interesting to get one yeah, but we don't have the budget for that. We don't, we don't. We'll start selling our wares or tap dancing or something and earn it and, and try one. But there was a Vice article, and I didn't read it, but it was some guy who said, um, my experience on living on Jim Baker's buckets for a month or something like that. It sounds funnier than it is because just the word bucket. I know. Yeah, living on Jim Baker's buckets. Oh, but the fact that you can turn the buckets into a table, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's right. You can't turn them into a table. You help them support the huge, awkward table you have in the middle of your living room that is covered 
with a tablecloth <laughs> that I'm sure is probably some thermal tarp that you can then wrap <laughs> yourself in. I don't know, but it's all crazy. <sighs> so, <laughs> speaking of crazy. This week, we're going to go over um, the cult of Bhagwan Sri Rajanish. And I made Bonnie watch the Netflix movie show slash eight-part series. I don't know. Over six hours. Over six hours. And they needed all that time because there was so much to pack in. I know. We're going to try to call that. (laughs) (laughs) This will be five hours. And, um, but... I, at the end, I'll tuck in my personal um, story about this cult. But you can watch the show on Netflix. It's still there. It's still free if you have Netflix. And, I mean, who does It's doesn't? good. Yeah. It was good. So, um, do you ever heard of them? There is one part of what they did that I had heard of that haunts me and has haunted me for 30 years. And you'll know what it is and I, when we get to it. I'm wondering if it's because I told you that. So we have a million years ago. This. Yes. Oh, okay. This is all in disguise. No one even. We don't even know what we're talking to each other about yet. <laughs> well, it gets so, revealed in live time. <laughs> I volunteered to uh, do some bullet points about what happened in yeah. this experiment. Yeah, so, so oh, tell the time. Here we go. Yeah. First of all, what's the setting? Give us give us the the years that okay. we're looking at. So the years that we're looking at in this program starts <laughs> in nineteen eighty one. Um which, Okay. Which, you can yeah. just stop there. No. Which <laughs> I think it's I think the eighties for cults was this magical, perfect storm time because a lot of those people were teenagers in the sixties. They were all okay, into yeah. the hippie and flower child stuff. Then they straightened up, realized they had to make money, went to mm-hmm. school, got very educated, made a lot of money quickly, perhaps. But they then, like anyone else, goes through that midlife crisis of, I miss those free teenage years. You know, now we just, you know, uh, get Yeah, and then you realize, guess what? It's not satisfying and happy. No, and especially, oh, the money? I was going to say the coal. But, you know, either one, (laughs) I guess. Well, so Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh was a speaker and he spoke all over India and this was throughout the 70s and his basic message was that he didn't like mainstream religions and he instead focused on meditation and mindfulness and laughter and being present oh my god it's us. i know and then also though on a really open 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 attitude towards sex yeah so some people would call him so they called him the sex guru some people did um, so for reasons that I couldn't really get from the beginning of the series, which I guess isn't really important, uh, it, but it seems like they owed some back taxes in India, whatever happened, they couldn't stay in India on this ashram that they had there. So they bought some distressed property in Antelope, Oregon, population 45, I think it was either 45 or 50, but nonetheless, 
<laughs> so it was just uh, they were going to create a commune there. And so, so Antelope was just a bunch of retired, pretty much white people, kind of farmers yeah, and living in a ghost playing town, checkers. playing checkers, yeah. having mustaches and, cow- <laughs> and cowboy hats. Um, the the jovial guy with the mustache. His last name is Silvertooth. <laughs> uh, I know. Um, I liked his take on things. He he seemed like. A little bit of like a an observer and a troublemaker and just kind of enjoying watching it all go down. Go down. <laughs> right. Probably the most exciting thing that's ever oh, happened. Oh, for sure. Which, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah when you hear what was. happened. Oh, um, yeah. So, so, so they bought this distressed property and they're going to create the commune. They bring all these houses in. And, and then they create roads and like a little shopping center. And you know what the shopping center had? The clothing that they all wore because they all wore some. Co- J. Jill, <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> but they all wore the same colors. They wore like this variation on maroon and purple and red and pink orange. Right. All of them, the men and the women. And robe, robey. Robes. Stuff. Too. A lot of flowy yeah. stuff. But um, mm-hmm. I kept thinking, like, oh, you could go to, I don't know, Forever 21, and you could just find something red, and it would work. But then they, they had to be, they lived on the property, so they brought in the clothing. And I love that one of the guys doing the, you know, the story, he says, oh, we had clothing, and it was rather limited in selection <laughs> of colors. Should I get that one? <laughs> This red or this orange. Um, But he had a lot of followers all around the world. I mean, they had a lot of people in India who followed him as well. I want to say uh, the numbers were something like 500,000, but I'm not sure. That's a lot. Yeah, and they're all over the world, though. Um, It it extended to Hollywood and um, all over the country. So let's see. So halfway into the first episode, I read, you know, well, he's into... Not not in the mainstream religions. He just wants to focus on meditation and mindfulness and stuff and laughter. And I think, well, I'm kind of liking him, this this guru. And you really get Stockholm syndrome with the people you study. Well, <laughs> I've got to be careful. Well, no, but not not him per se. But I'm thinking, okay, if Russell Brand started something similar to this. Exactly. I really think I might seriously consider. And they look very similar. Oh my God! Please, no, they don't. Yes, they, yes, oh, they that's do. Awful. I don't know <laughs> if you think about Make Osho, which is oh, that's the, what they, the head. That's go- what they guy. called him later. Osho, okay, which means master. Bagwan, right? Sri Rajanish, make him younger, and make. Russell Brand Indian, and they're identical. <sighs> you know how old he was when he died, this this guru guy? <laughs> it wasn't too It wasn't. Old. He was only 58 when he died. So during all this. I remember this, the day. Yeah, really? Yep. When it happened, like. Oh, I'm going to tell oh, you all this. Okay, well, that's so cool. All right, so, so back to, like, the little bit of the chronology of events. So, uh. They reclaim this land, 
and they made it into sustainable farmland. Nature started coming back. Wildlife started coming back to the property. And didn't you think that they had, I mean, I guess it was the 80s and we all had video recorders, but they had tons of footage from this big experiment. Right. Tons. Yeah. They did not lack for footage. Um, no. So they, they interspersed that with the key figures who were involved um, from today telling their point of view of the story. So um, yeah. the, the major people telling the story from today, uh, being interviewed today, you know, going back in time and explaining it is uh, a guy who left his career as an attorney in Los Angeles. That's Niren, Prem Niren. Remember him? He had a vest yeah. and a beard. I think so. They're all in the best know, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, that oh, one. Oh, yeah, that yep. one. Um, and then the personal secretary of uh, Bhagwan, who it seemed like this guy had a real presence, which I couldn't get from watching it on video personally. But I've seen Russell Brand, and I can kind of get on board with saying, yeah, he has a presence in person. And I think that's it. I yeah. mean, and this goes back to churches of any kind. You have someone who has a presence yeah. up there yeah. telling you something and making you feel good about yourself. And eventually, yes, yeah. you can say and do anything. Well, so the secretary. Yeah, she was just yeah. in love with him. And her name is Ma Anand Sheila. So we just call her Sheila. And she has major senpaku, too. They've all got this senpaku thing with the three whites of their eyes, oh, which makes me okay. crazy, to, um, yeah. as we know from all of our past episodes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they show the footage of this Bhagwan guy sitting on his throne, and he's got, this is for you, he's, he's sitting there mm-hmm. with one sandal on and one sandal is off, so his little naked Why? foot, I know, there's his naked foot. And then they intersperse, you know, different illustrations into this documentary instead of reenactments and when they illustrate him he's got his shoe off and his naked foot and I'm like which is that's what got how her much, I, if you're wearing sandals as a man one that's bad enough for me but if you're like wow this sandals hot I've got to take it off then why are you? I just get <laughs> maybe the hair on his that. toe was getting caught. Oh, gross. So it's okay. So, so Bhagwan, it's finally ready, and he arrives from India in a Rolls Royce. And you know what year this is? It's August 1981. So you and I were getting ready to start high school. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I looked awesome. Uh, yeah. Do you know the day we registered for high school? I got so intimidated by going in the gym and seeing millions of people because I'd only gone to Christian school. And I went home and I got scissors and I just cut one side of my what? hair. What? Wait, I meant wait. to just cut the rest. Why? Because I was cut like, I'm like, I need to look better. So that was my great idea. Let me, let me just, so I just did this big chop and then looked in my dad's bathroom mirror and started crying <laughs> and then I went to my mom and she's like oh dear this is so how you're gonna cope with a school change <laughs> yeah 
I had this is this was my idea of improving <laughs> the looks of someone with a big nose, red frizzy hair, and braces. <laughs> this this haircut was gonna it was gonna metamorphosize me. And you just um, didn't have time to make an appointment. So it was it was for the moment. Oh my God. So my mom's like, "Oh, gotta call the main right. place." So she took me. To that done. was the name okay. of the hair place we went. Um, oh my God! Did we register in the gym? Yeah, it was very intimidating. Was it before? Like it was, was it like at the in end summer. of eighth grade, or it was in the middle of summer. I think it's like middle of summer because I I had a little breathing room to get the hair done <laughs> <laughs> and, and get tan, get rid of my freckles, grow boobs, get straight teeth, and nose oh job. God, you're gonna make me have so much phlegm for this. Okay. Yep. Well, let me tell you what I was doing in the summer prior to uh, ninth grade. I was taking algebra. In summer school because I wanted to. Because they had me on the track where you doubled up on math every year. If you did that, then you could take AP calculus your senior year. And I had to start four years early with, like, summer school algebra that I chose to take. My God. I was in the family that didn't realize that was even a choice because <laughs> they did not bother telling me. Oh, my God. They saw me with half-cut hair, <laughs> and they're like, let's see what track we can find for this. So, August 81, okay, Bogwan arrives. <laughs> oh, and I had purple. I totally had, like, five days of school outfits, all with purple in them. So I would have fit yeah, in with the yeah. Bhagwan, with the Rajesh people. Right. So the locals did not care for the followers <laughs> as they started flocking in. Um, they said they looked like they were under the influence and hypnotized, and they didn't like it. And then an ad came out in some national magazine where they kind of focused on the sexual freedom of the movement, and then that was it. So this lady from the town who looked like Tootsie as a woman from the movie Tootsie. Mm. Um, She said that they didn't share the same morals. And um, she and other local people thought that the Sanyisans, is that what they're called? Sanyisans? They have a few names for what they are. Yeah, we'll just call them the cult Yeah, okay, the, the cult members. I don't know. I don't feel like it was as much of a cult as... Maybe you would this want me to think. Was <laughs> the cultiest of the cults. No, you were. Well, anyway, so they thought that the Sanyisan people thought that they were yokels because they did think they were yokels. And Sheila didn't mince any words. And um, so, oh, and also, this is all right on the heels of Jonestown. And. The Justice Department was concerned. They didn't want another Jonestown situation. And do you remember that the daughter of the congressman who went to Jonestown, who got murdered, she was actually Mm -hmm. a member of the Rajneeshpuram people. She she took his life insurance money and went to live in the commune. Oh, my gosh. So so then one of the best parts about this, too, was seeing uh, 
early 80s newscasters and, yeah. and how the thing was getting covered on the news. And, you know, I'm watching, 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 and boom, there's Oprah Winfrey mm-hmm. with full-on Afro hair, you know, not the Oprah we yeah. know now. But her voice was recognizable. So they're talking about, you know, how the townspeople don't like them so much, the sex ad, and that some documentary maker from the BBC was allowed in. So there is a smash cut to a wild group sex scene. And that's very disturbing. That was like the changing moment in the whole series. Right. Because you're going through, you know, uh, all this, like, peace and love, and sure, it's an Indian guy (laughs) with his grody feet, but, you know, people are bringing money and helping, quote, a town, and yeah, the people in the town are ticked off, but they're all old, and there's only 45 of them, so, you know, it's... They're all (laughs) white. Yeah, it'll all be fine. Um, But then, yeah, when they show in the series the inside of what happens sometimes, it's not. Not all the time either. Because I read something that said some people were like, I never had that kind of sex when I was there. That would be me. (laughs) I would go. (laughs) Like, what? Where is this happening? But it wasn't just like. Oh, nice, soft and cozy, romantic, sexy sex. It was, there was like banging on drums and screaming and thrashing your bodies and so much pubic hair. It is, it's, it's almost like a huge rape scene. It's very upsetting. And I think, again, it's that, you know, it's why people would yell going into battle or why people like you know, sing the same songs in church. Like there's this whole thing of just, okay. Sorry, what? It's why people sing the same songs in church? Yeah, yeah. Because like when you repeat songs over and over again, like they build more meaning and also meaning gets taken away. Mm -hmm. So your brain just totally goes into this other place. And I think those people just... Yeah, their body parts were just going anywhere with anything at any time. And there was a lot of, was of like hands in the air kind of just gyrating and moving like was the thing in all the cults that yeah. you use in your imagination to think right. of. Um, but here's one of the other things that I always think of when I see scenes like this is when and why did ladies start go into town on their pubic hair and like (laughs) I will tell you the answer to that because I read about it seriously yeah and there's a writer named Kate Lynn Moran out of England who's fantastic and anyway uh, I can't remember this was on the cusp all these ladies were completely not shaven Well, the sad part of why it started happening or why people are doing it today and they don't even realize is from the porn industry. That's what I thought. Exactly. So that started and then, you know, just people today do that all the time and they have no idea where, like, it started just like but i guess we've guys pants sagging right. you know and now we know, we know where that started started in jail and yeah but okay so i guess we had to have a lot more access to pornography with video easily accessible 
to see that yeah. and then go, oh, I want to look like that. Right. Okay. I guess. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, this was clearly on the cusp of all of that. <laughs> Back to, the, like, the whole religious part of it. Then they go to interview the guy with the cowboy hat, who's the son of, remember this, the co-founder of Nike lived in that town. And he... And he was not in the cult. He was not in the cult. Right. Just a... Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. But he, he, like, poured rubber into a waffle maker and stuck it on a shoe, and then Nike was born. And so his son is in this documentary. And the son says he believes in one God and that these people are satanic. Like, how do you, I don't get how you make a jump from, if you're not my God, you're satanic. I don't like that. Because that's what the Bible says. And, you know, I uh, believe so much of that, too. Absolutely. Well, so, so then they try to get into tricky ways to win over control of the town. And the locals decided, aha, what we'll do is we'll disincorporate. I don't know how that would have done it, but it didn't work. They didn't get the vote they needed. So the people in Raj, Rajneeshpuram were voting. Um, mm-hmm. So once they voted and the disincorporation didn't work, guess what? The hotel that the Rajneesh people had in Portland was bombed. So that's when it got real. So after their hotel was bombed, and it never really that I could pay attention to in this six hour plus adventure. <laughs> I didn't I never got if they figured out who bombed the hotel. Well, because then that's when Sheila dis and she was like the super organizer of everything. She she yeah. had gumption and grit and um and she was outspoken and she had a vibrant personality. So Sheila was the leader and she is the one who instructed everybody to go out and buy a ton of arms. A lot of guns. So they sent people in cars, like in couples, all throughout the country to go from shop to shop, just casually buying one gun at a time. So they were getting armed. Um, and what I, uh, and then they all had to learn to shoot. And there was one woman who said something like, I would go into like a hypnotic, mindful state and that would, oh, and focus, you know, on being present. And then that would lead her to have a good shot. And I'm like, no, you're not supposed to use mindfulness <laughs> that way. We can use it for good and evil, uh, I guess. So let's see. Merv Griffin had Sheila on his talk show. That's when she was brazen, and I think that's the show where she was really insulting to the townspeople and saying something like, if you don't like it, tough titties. And, uh, <laughs> right. Uh, the, so, so these people in Rajneeshpuram created a police force, and that was also kind of part of the danger because then they had the right to have a force and be armed. Yeah. Um, okay, so then... It came time for the annual event where followers from all around the world who just wanted to be near him came and flocked to the event. They all came to Oregon, and he was presented like this king in one of his 20 Rolls Royces. Right. So right. Every, yeah. And I think earlier, you know, there was, he was called the sex guru, but I think it was also names you know like the rolls royce guru or whatever the rolls royces were like really 
connected to his cultural identity. Back yeah, then. I mean, who needs that many? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> one for you and one for each sandal that you're going to flick off. So they were excited to get to see him in person. And then, of course, I'm like, why would somebody be so excited to see someone in person? I'm like, oh, yeah, like maybe he was going to play tennis or something. <laughs> I'm like, oops, <laughs> I can see yeah. getting excited. <laughs> <laughs> so. That's exactly it. And he never like said he was God. No, he never said anything. He didn't speak for like no. three and a half years. Yeah. So they yeah, would, that's they would right. tr- you he know, they would push him out onto a stage and he'd sit in his throne. And then like he'd look at people and they'd start crying. I can see that and happening with Russell I can Brand. See it too. Oh God. Okay. I was just gonna Who say, hugged me once. Like there was Get that in there. Get that in there again. I can see the, that happening with Russell Brand, who at a book signing signed every single person's book who wanted it. Aww. He didn't force yeah. that on you. And when you're in the line, he was like, oh, come on, come in for a cuddle, love. And and I was like, oh, uh, I will hug you. And he initiated that, which I thought was so lovely. That is very lovely. I know, and he smelled nice. And now you have a right to (laughs) sue him for touching you without your permission. I'm pretty sure Um, he just opened his arms and let me fall into them. Oh, God. (laughs) So. Uh, But what I was going to say about uh, Bhagwan not saying he was God and not talking for Ever is there was an artist somewhere in New York or whatever, and part of her thing was to sit in a table in a chair, and someone would sit down across from her, and they'd just stare at each other. And a few of those people would start crying, like there's something about yeah that sort of quiet mm-hmm. that makes your mind talk to itself. So this guy has all, he studied the cult book. (laughs) He did everything right. Well, so after they had the big annual event, the silver tooth guy, the happy guy with the mustache, he went to the dump one day and he inadvertently found a lot of documents that were supposed to be shredded that had been dumped there instead by... The whoever whoever did this was a dumbass because we know these documents were supposed to be shredded because on the documents it said shred these. <laughs> <laughs> so on the documents he had proof of arranged marriages and how all of their outgoing mail was supposed to be censored and read. So then he could have some you know, concrete stuff to turn into the authority. Right. To say this isn't just right. people saying they want to yeah. live here. And their right. public school had a lot of religious symbolism in it. So they latched onto that church state separation um, uh, aspect of the whole thing. Um, let's see. Right. So Sheila's house, this is the vibrant, you know, secretary who does all the talking. Uh, it was called Jesus Grove. Isn't that weird? Yeah, I, I think it's the whole, like, Jesus is just one of the prophets. Oh, okay. One of those kind of Are cults. you making a clicking noise? Somehow it yeah, stopped. I'm done now. 
Yeah. No, sorry. That's okay. That was me playing with the sticky end of a sticker I just peeled off. Oh, okay, the shoe. that's fantastic. <laughs> I was like, we might have technical issues. I always have to do something with my hands. Okay, I'll um, sit on. So them. she had her close supporters. The people who did what she wanted, who were of use to her, moved into her big house, and it kept getting bigger. They kept adding on rooms and stuff. And so one night at 11 p.m., this lady who was this meek kind of weak woman who had left her family. She lived in Australia. She left her family behind and came and moved to the commune. So at 11 at night, Sheila called on this woman and woke her up out of sleep, and she wanted her to come wax her legs. So this lady waxed her legs, and I guess that's when Sheila realized, oh, if I can wake some poor sucker up at 11 o'clock who will come wax my legs, she's right. found her lackey. And um, exactly. so they had, oh, so they were trying to figure out all these ways to take over the, the county. And then they had another vote where they were trying to get their people elected. And they, in order mm-hmm. to get them elected, do you remember this? I I mean, it is a brilliant idea, and I wish it was as pure and yes. lovely as she was. It's a terrible idea, but... If it were... Yeah. Oh, so they ahead. went out with big Greyhound buses all around the country and offered homeless people a place to come and live and be in the community. Oh, I thought you were going to say a different part. I know another terrible oh, thing well. they did, but keep going about <laughs> so, that. So so then they announced this as their big project, and look how great it is. We're offering these homeless people respect. We're giving them dental work. We're giving them medical care. And, um, and so, but all it really was was a, a way to get more residents so that they could vote the way they wanted the vote to go. Right. Oh, my right. gosh. But if you right. think about it from, like, a homeless person's point of view, how lovely. And they were so happy. They... You know, they show up to this place and like, oh, my God, all these houses are here and there's free food and people are accepting of us. And there was a guy who looked like such a sweet Andy Gibb. And I took a picture of my computer so I could send it to you. (laughs) It wasn't Andy Gibb. (laughs) And the thing is. (laughs) The thing is (laughs) that they are, uh, again, it goes back to even, you know, mission trips in the summer and different things that people do like anytime people of means reach out and show interest and care to people who don't have it it shouldn't be surprising if the people without means say i want to be a part of whatever you have because your religion, your philosophy must be the, the right you know, one. Uh, I'm doing it as, yeah, the right one and a thank you and all that. So but, now did it talk about the other thing that they did to um, get voters not increase them on their side, but decrease oh, them we're on going, the other that'll side? That'll be next. Um, so okay. 3,500 homeless people were wrangled and brought in in 35 days. And I just sent you a text wow. with a picture of the guy who was so cute and Andy Gibb looking. So you should look at your phone. Oh, Isn't he yeah. cute? His name's Dale. <laughs> I mean, and he's, and he's just wearing like a big, you know, cute. big collared shirt from the late seventies. And he's like, I was just sick of living on the streets. Like, well, who, who yeah. wouldn't be? 
Um, right. And then, oh, what? wait, uh, free sex Oh, stuff? well, <laughs> I'm in. And what? Literally. Yeah, and, they were, and the guy was like, can we drink? And they're like, well, you can have two beers a day. And so they were like, okay. So... All that, that was one of their strategies to win the election. And then, of course, they, they do cut to, and then they showed them all in a disco. So at their, at their <laughs> I just love that that was their celebration. Like, whoa, we're all going to disco um, on, on the property. So then their other strategy to, uh, to get the vote to go the right way, and this is what we're talking about, that... I had heard of years ago. Um, they had, mm-hmm. since they had uh, the ability to do dental work and medication, they also had a lab and a pharmacy. So they created salmonella and brought it into the town and tucked it in their sleeves and had a way of like uh, casually dropping it into things on a salad bar and poisoned over 700 people in the town. Yeah. In an attempt to get them to be ill and not able to vote, right? And so, or in yeah, the yeah, county. the county, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I had always so I knew that story because I had been following the the people for a while. But Back they, when they were um, active, I'm I'm getting okay. to that. <laughs> See, we're just all these people. Like, I really want to turn this stupid podcast off, but they keep. <laughs> Throwing in little Easter eggs. We've just got to keep listening. But they, I had in my mind that they had them in like little spray okay. things, like little atomizers. So they would spray Maybe. it, the little. And that's what I'm picturing. And my father, who is a retired physician, like he's so against salad bars right. anyway. Because <laughs> I mean, what is the glass in front of it the called? Sneeze guard. A sneeze glass. Which so, is not if you've got that. But that's not effective for children. It's it's not effective for anyone just because stuff can travel five feet easily. So, yeah. Even though I do love me a good salad bar, don't be surprised. Karen, the irony if, is that's where yeah. we're going for dinner tonight. Salad bar land. Yes. Good. <laughs> but like the, the super fancy one where they have the... Where the sneezes are fancier. No. Where they, <laughs> they say the gazoonheit instead of bless you. <laughs> so after the vote was lost, the... Well, how did it get lost? I can't remember. Did they just cancel it? No, till 93... everyone got better or something? I can't remember. No, um, 93% of the people of the town of the county showed up to okay. vote. So it was and still so, enough even for the sick ones. Right. Okay. So their their people did not get elected in um into power. So shortly thereafter there was a building in town like the county clerk or something like that. Um that that building was set on fire. Um Yikes. right after the election. And so they all assumed that Sheila was behind that. And then the personal doctor of the Bhagwan Mm -hmm. um, was up on stage with a bunch of people, and I guess probably the Bhagwan at one point, and Sheila had enlisted the lady who waxed her legs Mm -hmm. to take a syringe full of poison and go up to him 
and, you know, bump into him and inject it in him to try to kill him. Ah, why'd they want the doctor killed? Oh, that's right. They wanted the doctor killed because the doctor was, uh, well, Sheila says that the doctor was giving the Bhagwan a whole bunch of prescriptions to make him loopy, like Valium, Mm -hmm. but she was, she was losing favor. Right. He was getting closer. Yeah. So the, yeah. And she told the, she told Bhagwan of her concerns and he told her, you know, don't you worry about it. So he was, (laughs) she said, he was distancing distancing himself from Sheila. Uh, So, so, uh, Sheila and her followers just, you know, I guess like maybe 11 people or something. I don't know. Uh, but a small amount, they just up and left. They flew off in a jet and all of the followers were stunned and confused. Like, why would Sheila leave? You know, cause she's the clear leader who spoke to them. Yeah. She's the one that actually talks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Bhagwan then turned on her and addressed his followers. This is after not talking to them <laughs> for three and a half years. Yeah. So now he's going to say something. Um, uh, he said that she was on drugs. Um, Sheila said that he exploited all of them and that he was just perpetuating this big con. And then he says, and it's the slowest way that he says it, and it's so creepy. And you think he's 80 years old, but clearly he was only, like, our age when he's sitting there saying, I never made love to her. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe that's the jealousy. And then he says, but I always make a policy never to make love to a secretary. Oh, and everyone erupts with laughter. Oh, God. Which <laughs> you really shouldn't make love to your secretary. That's but. some good cult humor. Oh, you know what? The other way, do you remember this? They also tried to get to the water supply in the yes. county. Yeah. They tried to contaminate that, and they had read that if beavers were in the water supply, there was a bacteria on them that would contaminate the water supply. But the beavers figured out how to get out of the water, so they were all upset. <laughs> they ended up taking the beavers and blending them up, killing them, and then dumping the blend, the smoothie in the water. Ew. Yeah. That's and I mean, I mean, certainly. it's crazy shit. And this kind of stuff, like people are like, how have I never heard this? Like, right. How did I not know this was going on in our country? Ugh. Did you watch it thinking, okay, wait a minute. Is this real or is this completely fabricated? I didn't no. Google anything when I was watching it. Okay, so here's my take and my story. Um, When I was uh, becoming a missionary and studying to, part of the outreach that I did was to India. And my now husband was on that trip. Um, We weren't dating then, but there were about 10 of us, I guess. And one of the thing, one of the places we were in was Pune, India. And yeah. One of the areas we would walk around, we would see all the purple-robed people, and they would walk around looking drugged, always smiling. Always that's what the that's what the local yokels said. Just totally airy look on their faces. But from what I've heard, they didn't rely or even like 
people to do drugs. Right. They had to give the homeless people the beer kind of reluctantly, I got the feeling. Yeah. So uh, these people looked totally out of it. Lots of white people, just people that look like uh-huh. they come from California. So <laughs> one, uh, two different instances, my husband remembers one that we would go, there was this certain lane where the ashram was and we would go by that. And it had a bookstore where all his teachings, all his books, all his cassette singles, all the robes, everything's being sold there. And it was sort of really nice because it was a bit Western-y, you know, at least you got to go in something that looked organized rather because India can be a little sketchy. And then um, down the, just a few feet outside of the gates, there was like this coffee shop and that's where a lot of them would go. And we talked to a few people who weren't in robes, but were just there checking mm-hmm. out like right. what it's all about. There was a guy from Jordan. Um, there were, I think we met like someone who was a doctor from, you know, California. I don't know. So, And you can still go there. They have a meditation place. Yes. And he still sells tons of books. So we went back, a few of us, my husband didn't go back, and our plan was we're going to go inside the the gates, (laughs) and we, under our breath, we're going to be praying for them, because, you know, it was the devil, and we felt God was giving us the strength to do it. So we prayed for protection before, Mm -hmm. and they have these big gates, and we're like, we just want to look through. So there were two ladies who like greeted us and one of them I think is in that film, just uh, a sweet looking brunette and Mm -hmm. she was walking us around and she was all over me, like uncomfortably touching, gazing at me. Yes. Okay. And so one of the guys I was with who was a, also a missionary, just like grabbed my hand and held it to pretend we were a couple, did not phase her one bit. So that's right. So it's sort of you go beyond these like big door, wooden door gates, and then it's like a big open courtyard with plants and everything. And there's a bit of a like a path that you walk on. So the first thing we notice, besides like like an information booth that you can check in or do whatever. (laughs) Someone's in there. Um, The lady walks us around on the path. There are kids running around like freaking hellions, like the most uh, bratty, terrible (laughs) kids, totally unwatched. Nobody cares. And they're just running all through the little foliage and all that. And then we walk around and there's like an outdoor, um, I guess he, the, the chair was up at the front and the rest was a big cement slab and the throne. Yeah. (laughs) One of the, the chairs he would sit in, but the big cement slab had people lying down on it and meditating. But back Mm -hmm. then, which was, like 89, it, mm-hmm. that was a weird thing to see. 
because mm-hmm. we didn't have yoga studios and stuff like that. So just having these people and, you know, maybe someone was rocking and humming and, you know, uh-huh. it's like, this is such a satanic place. We cannot believe it. <laughs> so we keep walking around and then there's like the, the furthest back they're like, and this is where the tour ends. And there's a door that I guess goes into the building part and the living space and all the stuff they don't want you to go to. And there's a sign that says, no one beyond this point without a blood test. And I'm like, oh my God. I, I'm picturing Willy Wonka, though, <laughs> like going around the chocolate factory as you're telling me. <laughs> It, well, it was a lot hotter and smaller and <laughs> greener, but I'm like, if I need a blood test, I do not want to know what's on the other side of that door. Like, now there should you know. be nothing. Exactly. <laughs> now we know. So the um, beavers <laughs> shredded up and literal. Um, so then it was, I guess, two probably just a year after we were there. I don't know when he died, but. I want to say 89. Okay. So it must have been, I'm wondering if it was December. 90. Okay. 90. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I had left the, the mission thing was over And my future husband is Australian. So he was in Australia and I was in the U.S. And we would send mixtapes to each other and letters and all that. (laughs) And I sent, when I heard Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh died, as a way of courting, I sent a card (laughs) that was like something about celebrating Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh dying And I wrote something that was like, oh, and he entered heaven and said his historic word, oops. And like, (laughs) I thought that was funny and Uh how it's like, yeah, that's right. If people don't know Jesus and refuse to, that's what they get. So, (laughs) yeah, I was really, I I hope hope you still have that card. Oh, somewhere in a big hat box, like all my old ones are. Exactly. You can take a picture of that and post it. But I might have, I have pictures of us in India. I don't know if I have anywhere. There might be some of the cult people in the background, but I think it was brave of you to go in because who says they would have let you out? Yeah, I I guess because we were around the town, you know, we were there for three months. We could see that people came and went. And when we'd get on, like, the public transport, there'd be a few of them on there. So, you know, you you knew that they were free to walk around. Right. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, um... One of one of the funny things when you were talking about his throne. So when the feds raided the ranch, uh, Bogwan decides he's going to fly out of there on a Learjet. <laughs> so they were like, "What? What? We're going to raid you, though!" So they figured out where he was going. They got him shut down in Charlotte, North Carolina. So they found on him fifty five thousand dollars in cash, a lot of jewelry, and a whole bunch of watches, and his throne. <laughs> so he's got to take bring the, throne. the throne with 
him. So then in the in the documentary, I love them. They show somebody like shoving his throne across the tarmac. <laughs> so uh, eventually, um, they brought him back, but they stopped in all these cities along the way to Oregon and like stuck him in various jails and paraded him around and had the media, you know, uh, focusing on the fact that they had captured him. Yeah. Um, and uh, so their their plan worked. He They knew he didn't want to go to jail, so he made a deal. He paid him some money and went back to India. Um, and then they they had all these shirts. There were T-shirts that said, we bagged the Bhagwan. Right. Um, let's see. And then Sheila went to jail. She served some time and I guess paid a fine as well. So after everybody went to jail, a billionaire developer bought the ranch and gave it to Young Life. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, my God. Young Life here <laughs> drives me crazy. But Yeah. So it looks like uh, a totally fun ranch. But um, I'm just wondering what I can only imagine what they like, how much praying, because there would be like this thing where you pray and you walk through areas to uh-huh. make sure, you know. Satan doesn't stick in the curtains and stuff, so I can only imagine. <laughs> I, I'm actually surprised that they they would have to rationalize, like, yeah, we'll take that. No problem. <laughs> yeah. So he gives it to Young Life, and uh, one of the guys from the town, I think the, the, the happy guy, Silvertooth, says that they went from free sex to no sex. And, <laughs> That's um, what you think. Yeah. Uh, it might not have been Silvertooth who said it, but he says, well, it's kind of like a cult, too, but they're not waving AK-47s in your face. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yep. Because uh, so. everyone loves to wear um, Nike shorts and their tie-dye shirts that say Young Life on it. So they're all Do wearing they? the same uniform, too, aren't they? Some strappy Chaco sandals. Chaco? Yeah. Oh, look them up. It's oh, what no. all the youths wear. The really? The youths? The youths. <laughs> youths. That's it. All right. So that was, that was, that was phenomenal. I want to find another one of those because that was really interesting. It's crazy that like that goes on on American soil. I have another one that we right. can do that's super scary that's going on. <clears throat> Now, <clears throat> as I choke, but, is it Russell Brand? Because um, he's growing is. a beard and it's a it's upsetting. <laughs> he's also wearing some kind of makeup. What? Yeah, yeah. I saw him in a what? little video with Brene Brown, and his face um, had some oranging happening. So, oh well, I mean, people on videos always wear makeup. His videographer makeup person was playing a joke. <laughs> well, he used to wear a lot of eyeliner. Yeah, but I thought true. that looked good. Yeah, he could pull. That's it just me. <laughs> uh, so more cults. That's all we like. We like cults. We like charlatans. <laughs> um, we're gonna do. Uh, we don't like them. We love them. Oh, sorry. No, we come to tell about them. Uh, it's all about it's all about power. It is, and this is just such an eye-opening thing for me. I just I will still every day go. Why do people want this power? Why don't they just want to enjoy life? Right. Why don't they just want to go play golf? Yeah. You know exactly. Anyway, can you hear the thunder in the background? Oh, I didn't. I figured you were just touching something. No, again. no. 
that's God mm. getting mad, or <laughs> yeah. it's the Bhagwan. Who knows? Find uh. us on Facebook, Deconversion Therapy Podcast, and we have a secret hidden group called Just Deconversion Therapy. You can ask to join that. And then you can find us, Deconversion Therapy, um, on Instagram and occasionally Twitter. And send in your funny letters. We've been getting a few lately, and I think we're going to like compile a special episode of some of them. Send in your money. Send in your... <laughs> and we will pray for you. Exactly. And build us a throne. Send in your prayer requests. <laughs> <laughs> and we will write, shred these. Um, <laughs> and then put them in the dome. Uh, right. <laughs> Where they can be found by everyone. Oh, my gosh. Okay. All right. So anything else? I think that's it. For the good of the order? <laughs> that's it. You did All right. well. All right. I'm off to the salad bar okay. with my atomizer. All right. Yeah. Enjoy All right. that. Talk to you later. Bye. See you next week. Bye now. Click. <laughs>